hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey guys, it's Joey Ryan back for another episode of Pool Player Podcast. I'm really excited to be with you today. I have a special industry edition, a guest that I'm really excited to learn more about. And you guys are going to say, that's crazy. You've been working with this guy for several months. Have you ever met somebody and you just click instantly? Like your passion is their passion. And you're like, we have to do something together. We don't even know what it's going to be. Well, that happened with me and this guest. We said, we got to do something, and maybe you've caught it, but we've launched the Booth Brothers. It's a weekly live show that we do. You can catch it on this channel, uh, but you can also catch it on our Facebook page, The Booth Brothers, uh, and I think it's actually at The Booth Brothers Show, and it's a great show. We have guests, fresh guests every week, and a little secret about it, this guy actually does all the work. I just do a little bit of the technology, but this guy really does the work. Well, since we've been working together for several months, the crazy part is I don't know a whole lot about him. So I'm really excited about this episode. I want you guys to get to know him. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce my good friend, Mr. Mark White. Hey, Mark, how's it going, buddy? Hi, Joey. Hi, God. I never thought when I've watched, I've actually watched almost all of these podcasts and I thought, I'd love to be on that one day, but I thought I never will. Here I am. Hello. <laughs> Here you are. Here you are. Yeah, no. And, you know, Mark, we've talked about doing this for a while, but we got so busy with the Booth Brothers. And, you know, it's it's just one of these things we didn't get around to. But now we're here and I'm excited to find out much more about you. So do me a favor. Tell me, I know you got your start in snooker, but tell me what was your first moment where you were kind of interested in Q Sports? Yeah, I, I really honestly can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, there used to be a fabulous program. It was on a Monday night, nine o'clock. We had three channels back in 1969, can you believe? Uh, I was born in 62, so I was seven years old, and there was this program called Pop Black. And it was actually, the first few episodes were done in black and white, believe it or not. It was a snooker. It was one frame only. And the moment I saw it, the moment I heard the balls, the crack of the ball going in the back of the pocket and the way these guys were spinning the cue ball all around, I thought at that moment, I have to be involved in, in this game. And uh, that, I think that was around about September or something. I remember my dad used to let me stay up uh, late. It was on a school night. So I got special permission from my dad to stay up because he knew I loved it so much. And uh, yeah, and that Christmas in the December, I got my first ever snooker table. It was a little six by three, uh, which we had the tiny little balls and little cues. But I can remember it's the best present I ever had. And uh, used to play my dad. It was one of them that you used to just put on top of the kitchen table, you know, or the, or the dining room table. And uh, we would play for hours. And I remember my dad was known as shovel hands. He had huge hands. And I, I can remember, like today, him teaching me how to make this bridge. And he's, he's, it was almost like two of my hands, you know, like this. Well, it was two of my hands at that age, but massive. And he almost took up the whole of the bulk 
the semicircle on the snooker table, you know, you don't have it in pool, but in snooker we have the, the semicircle up the uh, the kitchen and the bulk end. And his hand almost took up the whole of the whole of that. So that was my first ever experience of um, Q Sports and well, as you can tell, I, I still remember it and I'll always remember it. And that was the day I fell in love. You know, the thing that kind of sticks with me with that is watching snooker on I'm sorry, you say snooker. I'll say snooker. Uh, I don't want to try to fake the accent, um, but watching it on TV in black and white. And I think about, you know, with the new balls that are out and everybody complaining about the color of the balls, here you are <laughs> watching it in black and white. I mean, how did you even tell? I mean, I guess... Actually, I guess the commentary had to be really good on that, right? <laughs> yeah, this, it's almost like this is rehearsed, but I promise everyone it is not rehearsed at all. But there is a brilliant, a brilliant commentator um, memory I have, the great Ted Lowe, and he was known as Whispering Ted Lowe. And the reason he picked up that nickname was because he used to have the little lip mic and they actually used to sit in the crowd. There was no commentary booths back then. So he actually sat in the crowd and he had to whisper like that. And he said it was like a game of chess on a 12 by 6 foot table. And then he made this, <laughs> this awful gaff once, which, um, which made all the show reels of the bloopers and the things that go wrong. And this is honestly the 100% true. He once said, for those of you watching in black and white, the blue is just behind the green. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny, Mark. So when did you start playing snooker for the first time? Well, I sort of messed about with it till then, but I first played on a full-size table. It was like, like a, a working men's club. It was actually a YMCA, you know, YMCA, a young man's Christian association. <laughs> And above it, they had what we what was called the Red Triangle Club. And you weren't allowed to go in there until you were 16. But because I because I'd showed promise, um, they let me they let me have special dispensation, shall we say, to go in and play. And I went in there and I was the young I was a tear away and I was I was smashing them hard. I was left-handed, which they hated because everyone should be right-handed. I was this left-handed and I was smashing them. I was screwing back the length of the table. And and I've draw, really draw shot that. for Americans. Draw shot. Yeah, draw shot, draw shot, sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, schnooker for you Americans. And I remember doing something which I'm really ashamed of now. Because they used to have a go at me all the time, I, used, I brought out the red chalk, and the red chalk on a snooker table is absolutely a, a no-no, and they hated me for it. There was these red, these red marks all over the table, so I'm, I'm sorry about that um, to the guy that had to clean the tables. How so could you, Mark? How I could know. you? <laughs> I, was, I was young. I was, I was a terror. I was a rock star. <laughs> so you were pretty good at snooker. I mean, you know, I know you're kind of modest with your, you know, playing abilities, but you were kind of at one point, you, you had some talent and you were kind of making your way through the game. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us about your journey. Yeah, well, my, my dad, um, he was a businessman. He had seasonal kiosks. We lived by the seaside in a nice little seaside town. He had these, uh, these kiosks that sold ice cream and hot dogs and burgers and this kind of stuff, all gifts and knickknacks for the, for the tourists. And then he bought this beautiful building 
uh, right in the high street of where I grew up. And it was, uh, we had a, a restaurant and it was called the White House, actually, <laughs> because our name is White, obviously. And we thought it was really cool and clever at the time. Now I look back, I think, God, that was so corny. But then above it, and I've actually just found out in the last couple of days that that building where my father put a full-size snooker table, he really did it for me, but he said he was opening a like a, a snooker club for the locals, but he, I knew he did it for me. So I, at the age of about 15, I had this full-size snooker table, um, which I basically played on every single moment I could. And I used to do the lineup. It was like a drill. It's a well-known lineup where you put all the reds down the center of the table. And basically you try and clear them and make a century. And I can remember my first ever century doing that, not a proper century, but a, a century in a drill. And I told myself that the, 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 the big man at the time was Steve Davis. Now I'm sure you know Steve Davis from uh, Americans will know Steve Davis. He, he did a little bit of pool as well, didn't he? Of course. Um, and he, he used to say about how, he wouldn't let himself eat until he had done a certain task, a certain drill, and he would not eat a sandwich. And some days he didn't eat at all if he didn't complete the drill. And I told myself, right, I'm not going to bed until I make a hundred break at this lineup. And I can remember it. Yeah, I can remember. I was 15 years old, just, I think. And at 5.30 in the morning, I've been up all night playing. I finally made 103 was my first ever century. That's awesome. And yeah. And straight after it, I couldn't sleep. I was buzzing. I'd made a century. I was going to be champion of the world. You know, I'd made it. And, you know, back, back then it was a big thing to make a century at, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Now you've got eight, nine, 10 year olds making maximums. Do you really? That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's an 11-year-old who's just made his third century. I think he's had two in a row, believe it or not. It's a guy from northern England somewhere. Uh, I forget his name now. So, yeah, and I can remember making that, and the sun was shining, and and I walked along the the, uh, the promenade, the, the boardwalk, as you would call it, and I actually made out that I was a world champion, and I was asking myself questions and replying to the replying to it like I was world champion in nineteen and eighty, whenever it would have been, you know, when I was about eighteen or something. So that was the start of your interview days. Yes, that's 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 when it all started. That's when the love of snooker started, and that's when I I really loved. I, I and I still do, as you know. I love microphones, and I love talking, and I love asking questions. Were you an easy interview for yourself or were you kind of challenging? <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up too easy. You know, they, they had to really push me for the dig down in there, ask some good questions. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because for, for folks that don't interview people and I'm self-taught and I remember, you know, having folks like Alex Paggy Lyon on the show and, and others, and I would just ask them a yes or no question and not extract, you know, anything. And it was like an instant mistake and, it cost me and I had to learn the hard way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. And, you know, I have a similar kind of story, not from like imagining winning the world title and getting interviewed, but the first part of that, like not eating until you run out or, or whatever it is. 
Like for me, it would be, I would not leave the basement until I did whatever my goal was. My dad had a table in the basement, obviously not snooker, but pool. And I would play like an imaginary match against Efren Reyes or Earl Strickland. And for me, it would be, I can't go up until I break and run five or I beat the ghost or whatever it was. And I can't tell you how many nights I stayed in the basement until like four or five o'clock in the morning because I just wouldn't give up, you know. But the thing that I've always found about pool, and I'm sure it's similar with snooker, through some of my darkest times, you know, I, I dealt with cancer when I was 28. I've dealt with some deep stuff. And wow. there was only one thing that I really found uh, other than my faith in God to get me through. And that's hitting pool balls. You know, it allowed me to really process difficult situations. And it was something about hitting balls for three or four hours. And it was like, things kind of made sense to me. You ever have that feeling? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I've been single for quite a long while now. And why is he bringing up relationships? Well, the, the longest relationship I've ever had and my first true love is, you know, it was snooker. Okay, I've been a little bit unfaithful in recent, recent years and now, <laughs> you know, I've got a mistress and she's called Paul or Karen. You know, I, I anything with a cue, billiards. I just, there's just something, and you know, you and all pool players can, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a good pool player because I'm not. I'm in a, I'm an average, I guess, as a Fargo would be, People have told me I'm around about a 500, maybe 550, something like that, as a pool table. I, I, I don't know uh, about my Fargo rating, but I, I actually, that is an ambition of mine to get a Fargo rate. I'm probably about a 500. I, really, I think you're stalling there, Mark. I think you're trying to get some action when you come to the States. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's something for a bit later. I mean, I really, really do. You know, I've always believed that, America is the home of Paul. It's where it, it, it began. And I always, you know, I always like to go to, you know, it's the Mecca of Paul and that's where I want to go. Um, well, let me ask you yeah. this. You want to come here. We want to bring you here. Um, we want you to come over here and kind of experience, you know, American Paul. Um, but before that, like you've been a lot of places throughout the world right? You've been to Asia, you've been all over Europe. Tell us about some of your travels and kind of what you got into there with Bull. Yeah, my, my first my first visit to Asia was way back in uh, 1989, uh, believe it or not. I went to Thailand. I was actually on my way to Australia and uh, a friend I was traveling with lost his passport in Thailand and it took him three months to get another one. Um, you know, this was back in the days before the internet and you know, proper internet anyway and uh everything being done uh digitally and on and online so it, it took a long while and um whenever i go away the first thing i do is i listen for that click of balls i'm drawn to it you know a lot of people might be drawn to the sounds of a, a karaoke which i also love as well by the way i'm not saying i don't love karaoke but you know it gets drawn by the i don't know or the uh, the, the waves the, the beach. girl yeah the waves the girls beckon the, the you know the nightclubs the loud music for me it's always been the click of balls i can't explain it it's just i cannot settle i won't even i'll literally dump my bags in the in the hotel or hostel wherever i'm staying 
let dump my bags and I'll just walk and walk and walk. And if if I don't get to ask somebody where it is, I'll, I'll hear it before, you know, and I'll just gravitate towards that sound and I'll just start playing. And sometimes I haven't gone back to my hotel for two or three days, you know, just keep playing <laughs> because, you know, in, in Thailand, lots of snooker in Thailand, but also lots of pool as well. But I played a lot of snooker in uh, Thailand. But then in, in subsequent visits there, of course, I've, I've taken up pool because I can't play snooker anymore. It's just so difficult. I mean, you, have you ever played snooker? You know, I did a little bit, Mark. Uh, so when I was in college, our university was pretty diverse. We had a lot of people from Asia and India and, and uh, even Europe. And so we had a situation where um, there weren't a lot of pool players at my college. And so we had about 20 pool tables, but, you know, I, I played pool, you know, and all these other kids were just pretty good making a few shots here or there. And so I really didn't have many people that could challenge me. There was one guy, he's actually a pool hustler in Maryland. He was, his name was Don Hudgens, a good player. Uh, Don actually worked at the university that I went to. And so every once in a while he'd sneak in the pool room and, and play some people. Uh, but, uh, the, um, the, the Indian kids in there, they asked me to play snooker. And so I've said, well, Hey, this is a new game. It seems interesting. Maybe I'll give it a try. And sure enough, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. Now it was a 10 foot table. Uh, I didn't even really understand. I hadn't seen it on TV or anything. And so I just thought 10 foot tables were what it was, you know? And so I remember coming home and telling my dad, Hey, I played snooker and it was on a 10 foot table. You know, it was really long. And he's like, long. He said, they play on 12 foot tables over in England. I was like, really? <laughs> and so, but it was a lot of fun and pretty interesting. And so it's like, I think, you know, kind of like with anything, uh, three cushion, I never thought it would be interesting to me because there's no pockets, you know, and as you say, potting balls, you know, I like the pot balls. I like to make balls. I didn't think it could be interesting until I watched it and really got into it and said, Hey, that's pretty neat. And down at the Texas open, they had a, a three cushion table at skinny bobs. And I was watching sky and Billy and Joey gray, and they were all playing on it and having a blast. And I was like, yeah, this could be something kind of cool. It could be something kind of interesting. So yeah, I've played a little bit but uh, just enough to be dangerous. Yeah, there's there's also a great game we play in England. It's, it still has the pockets. It's called uh, Billiards. It has... Uh, Kelly Fisher actually has been world champion at it. And, uh, oh, you can make breaks of thousands. You know, the, the longest break took about two and a half weeks or something, I think. You know, there's wedged the balls in the pocket and, and it died out. It just become boring. People turning up just to watch a guy tap two balls all day long. And literally, that's all it was. So that quickly died out. But billiards is a great game. And, and when you start to play snooker, I can hear now all the older guys telling me, if you want to be good at snooker, you've got to learn billiards. And it, I played it a little bit and I didn't really get what they were talking about. It's not really about potting. You know, you do pot one ball. You can pot, well, you can pot any of them, but you have to go in offs and that. But it's billiards, in offs and pot the red. Um, but it wasn't until later that I appreciated and realized how much good that game had done me so for anyone watching you know play as many cue sports as you can you know one pocket eight ball nine ball ten ball play on ten foot tables play on small tables bar boxes just experience everything you can and you know learn angles and 
I'm going to be really controversial. I don't know whether we want to talk, go into drills and that at the moment. And But my big bit of advice I could give anyone is don't worry too much about mathematics and refractions and geometry and all this kind of thing. You know, cue sports are a game of feeling. You need to feel them. You need to experiment. No two tables play the same. I don't like diamond systems. Yes, they're okay to sort of teach you the basics. But you look at players like Efren Reyes and that, they just know. And the great snooker players and the reason they make such great pool players as well, you know, likes of Melling and Appleton, they know how to escape because it's in us. It's it's almost like, you know, it's like the positional side for the Philippines. Our kicking abilities are great because it comes from snooker, you know, and learning them angles. So my best bit of advice for anyone is play as many different games as you can. Pick up a cue whenever you can and feel the game. Feel it. Don't dwell too much on the mathematics and the geometry side of it. Enjoy I love the- That's great advice, Mark. I love that. And, you know, after doing three dozen or so of interviews with professional players, one thing that I've found consistent in a lot of the interviews is they talk about uh, just getting to that point. It's almost like Zen-like. You know, like Phil Jackson from the Chicago Bulls talked about, you know, the Zen, you know, but it's almost like playing the game the way it's meant to be played, you know, and not not worried about outcomes, not worried about results. But are you playing because anything can happen? Look at the matchroom events. They're great events. But, you know, like Moscone Cup race to five. I mean, anybody can win a race to five. And so you can't really focus entirely on outcomes. You lose your first match five to two. You might have played great. You know, it's just some things happen there that didn't go your way. And I think that's, that's a great piece of advice, right? Just kind of get out there and immerse yourself in it. If you're really excited about pool, get out there and just be a part of it and be in it and and don't overthink it. You know, how many times you see players overthink things, you know, like, well, I need this shaft with 11.8. No, I need a 12.5. No, I need this tip or that. (laughs) Just play. Right. Yeah. The the biggest discussions I see going on on social media, as you know, I'm very active on uh, Facebook and that. And I love getting involved in the conversations and I can talk all day and and type all day about Paul because I truly do love it. It's, It's the only thing in my life. Sad maybe to some people, but it's the truth. And it's the only thing I I am happy and feel happy doing. And it's all I ever want to do. But One thing that does tickle me is um how people go on about what what cue should i buy what tip should i use should i have carbon fiber should i have wood how long should it be you know all these questions and i don't know whether they're doing it just to get lots and lots of different people's feedback but there's you know like take tennis for example you'll see a tennis player he'll use maybe five or six rackets depending on how many he breaks depending depending on who the player is or how many strings they break yeah. You know, a, 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 but they'll pick up another one and, and it's strung the same. No two cues are the same. They really aren't. You know, you could buy two out of the same batch and, then, you know, they're, they're going to play different. The, 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 the conditions change the way a, a tip plays. It wears differently depending on how you cue. It, it just goes back to the same thing again. It's a game of feeling and you just forget all that. Forget all the stuff in the background, right? Find something. There's a, I saw a brilliant video today, actually. Venom. He went into a Walmart. He bought. A, he wanted to buy the cheapest cue he could find. 
He bought a $10 queue from Walmart. He then took it back to his house and started trying all the different, all the different um, things with it, you know, drawing, follow through, yeah. jumping. How how do? And he'd done all right, you know, and he said, it's, it's, you don't have to pay thousands of dollars for a, a queue. If you, yeah. if it suits you, if you feel good with it. And there's that word again, feel just enjoy the game, you know, don't, don't get too washed away, as you said, in results and, oh, who have I got in the next round? Just enjoy that moment. And that is the secret. And I think of life and any sport, if you can enjoy every single moment of it, then you've won already because you're having way much more fun than the guy that gets two rounds further than you who's and angry and walking around and not talking to anyone and, and no one wants to be around him. And you're there just having a laugh and he's thinking, well, he's out. What? Why is he so happy? He's already been knocked out. Yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to go around and talk to all the other guys and, and watch some other games because it's not all about yourself. You know, it, it's about, and this is another thing I'm, I want to get involved in, growing the sport. You know, it's not all about me. It's not all about you, Joey, as you know. It's about the sport as a whole. And I think the sooner that we can really begin to enjoy it, and I mean really enjoy it, you know, like having sex. And it is. It's like having sex to me, playing pool. Honestly, it really this is. It's a PG podcast, Mark. It's PG, okay? Let's... <laughs> <laughs> I won't, you know, I'm not going to go any further. Let me, let me stop you. Let me stop you because I think you hit on two things that might be kind of diametrically opposed to each other, right? Enjoying it and growing it and basically the state of where the sport is right now. So, yeah. you know, one thing that you don't often get to witness here in the United States is um, just the amount of, um, if I were saying it in a good way, negotiating, and if I were saying it in a bad way, barking that goes on in pool halls, whining, crying, all kinds of stuff, you know, because people are really trying to scratch out a living doing this because the money's not there right now. And so, um, you know, I've seen it. I've seen, I'm not going to mention any names, but I've seen some really talented young players who were just awesome, awesome guys. And then they go on the road for a year and they come back and there's just an edge to them. They're just different, right? Because they're constantly trying to find an angle, scrape together a couple hundred dollars to, so they don't have to sleep in their car that night, you know? And so I think those two things, like really enjoying it for the love of it, they love it. But there's also this immense pressure, you know, take, uh, take, you know, the big U.S. Open coming up in Atlantic City. Well, that's great for the East Coast folks, but for the people out West, you know, you're talking about a $400 plane ride. You're talking about however many nights in a hotel to compete against the best players in the world. So where's break, break even for them? Top eight, you know, maybe yeah, top 12. I Somewhere in there is break even for them. So they go out there and there's already this immense pressure on them just to finish high enough to, to break even on their, their event. You see where I'm, where I'm going with that? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and it, and it does. And I can see exactly, and I can put myself in their position. Um, you know, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination. I, I struggle day to day as a lot of people do. And, you know, I'm not even trying to make my living at pool. I'm glad I'm not because I would be, even worse than I am at the moment but one thing I can equate it to is one of my times in Thailand the last time I went there 
in 2018, you know, I did a lot of charity work out there and I was going around slums every single Friday and, you know, we would make up food packages for them for the week and we'd take them around and the sites I've seen, these are people Doesn't that surprise really, me about you, Mark. Yeah, but these are people that really have nothing. I mean, yeah. nothing. You know, they depend on us going round. But, you know, and it breaks my heart now to think back. Uh, I can actually remember the first time I did it. I didn't want to do it because I knew I'm quite a sensitive person, believe it or not. And the sights I've seen, and the way people live, you know, it's kind of nothing else really. You know, what what missing a ball on a snook on a pool table, snooker table? Yes, maybe it is to to get through to the next round and and make a profit uh, from the tournament. You know, but it's not the end of the world. You're going to eat tomorrow. There's always there's always going to be somebody. Uh, that can help you and and pick you up again. And I think that's one good thing about the pool community, or one of the many good things about the pool community. It is a pool community. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you go in the world. If you play pool and you see another pool player, they are instantly on the same wavelength. They know the struggle. They know how difficult it is. They know what I go through. I know what they go through on yeah. a daily basis. And isn't that what keeps us coming back to the game? You know, it's that one beautiful long draw shot, the whole length of the table that we draw back off the off the nine ball and it brings us all the way back and we're perfect on the 10 and we just get down and we stroke that 10 in. And then the next game, you're dogging and missing everything. But we still <laughs> keep going back and thinking about that brilliant draw shot we did. And that's what that it only takes that one thing to keep us coming back. It's, it's, I tell you, it's uncanny, right? It's like some days you show up and you feel great and you practice great and you play. And then other days you show up and it's like, you can't make a ball in practice and you, you just get on a roll and you buzz right through the tournament. Uh, but yeah, I agree the, the pool community is wonderful. There's a, it's gotten a bad rap, right? There's a ton. I, the things that I've witnessed in the pool community, people helping others is really unprecedented. Uh, you know, just people giving of what they have for other people, uh, is really great. So, um, that's a good point, but I asked you about your travels and you mentioned Thailand, but I want to hear about, because like, it's so weird. Like the most random things you've had this incredible life. Cause we talk about, you know, we're watching the Moscone cup or it's, I think the latest one we were watching together, we might've been watching the world championships or something. And, and the, and the commentator said, Dennis Grabe. And you're like, it's Grabe. And I was like, how do you know, Mark? And you're like, cause I used to live in Estonia. And I'm like, what? You lived in a, who lived in Estonia? Well, Mark, you lived in Estonia. Tell us about that. How did that happen? Yeah, I, I had a great friend who's uh, sadly no longer with us, a good friend of mine. Um, he used to buy um, food production machinery secondhand from the UK, and he used to sell it into Eastern Europe, like Ukraine, uh, into Belarus, uh, Bulgaria, any, anywhere in the, uh, the Eastern Bloc. He used to sell it because it was a lot cheaper. So he would have a lot of time going out there. And one time he said, oh, you've got to come out to Estonia. The, the girls are lovely out there. The, the, <laughs> the most beautiful girls in the world are out there. 
this is when I well, this is when this is when I had the hunt with snooker. When I that, oh, I'm never playing snooker again. Right? Where's the girls at? No. <laughs> uh, look, come on, look. You, you, you can imagine the success I've had with women, can't you? That's why I like Q Sports so much. Um, this took Joey, believe it or not, about three hours of makeup to look this bad. <laughs> no, so uh, yeah, I went to. Uh, Estonia and it was where, it was before they joined the European Union and it was so cheap I mean really cheap and oh, I found a brilliant snooker hall out there about four full-size snooker tables and a, and a couple of nine-foot pool tables and uh, we, we would play lots loads and loads and loads of pool so the girls were out the window again and I found this love of, of pool and I actually learned the language I was there for this is True story, I went for a weekend, I literally, three days, long weekend, came back, sold everything I had, like a, not, you know, my car, anything, any equipment that I didn't need anymore, I'm going to Estonia. Off to so Estonia that, I went and stayed eight years. That's the thing, that's why you're, you're. so we had this commercial in the United States, it was a, a Dos Equis, I think, the beer. And they had this guy who was the most interesting man in the world. I think you're kind of like the most interesting man in the pool world. Like, who does that? Who goes <laughs> to Estonia for a weekend, comes home, sells everything, and moves there? That's crazy. Do you know, I'm going to own up to something now as well. Oh. I'm actually terrified of flying. I mean, super terrified. I'm, I'm, I tell you, what, I do a great impression, because I've done it so much, of Mr. T from uh, the A-Team. Ain't getting on no plane, fool. <laughs> because I hate, you know, literally knock me, knock me out and then mm. I will get on the plane. But what I've tended to do is whenever I go away now, especially long haul. So I went to Thailand, Thailand and Australia. Literally, I was going for uh, three months. I think I ended up staying two years. Then I went to Estonia literally for a weekend, ended up staying eight years. Every time I've been to, I went to, I've been to the Philippines as well. Actually, uh, the se the second home of of Paul, some might say, you know, the, the, the different kind of Paul out there, isn't it? But I I just feel I want to play in all those places. But anyway, once I get there, I'm so terrified about flying. I think, right, I've made it. Right, I'm staying. I'm just going to make my make my life here. I'm going to play pool. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do some karaoke and. The other big love of my life, actually, I've owned three three karaoke bars altogether: one in England and, <laughs> and two and two in Estonia. Uh, one called Bonkers, one called uh, Jumping Jacks, and another one called Pit Stop. So okay. I've owned three karaoke bars. That's my and my big big ambition, which I'm hoping is going to come true. I was actually planning it, planning it with the uh, you you have Rotary Club out there, of course, don't you? It's a big worldwide organization. And I joined the Rotary Club in Thailand and I was just about before COVID hit to embark on a 50 state visit around America. It was going to take me obviously a, a couple of three years to get around all of them. But the idea was to play a game of pool and a tournament in every single state in the US and sing a song in every single state. And I was raising money for the the children that I used to go and feed on on a on a Friday. That sorry, not I. That we used that the great organisation, by the way, called Hand to Hand, started 
just by a woman who sold everything she had in Australia, gave up a, a, a headmistress's job in a school, sold her house, her car. She found God. Her calling was to go and help these people in Thailand, which she did. And she still runs it now. Uh, actually, still, actually, I think it's run out now. But, you, you know, you can do things like sponsor a family for a year to yeah. feed a family. And it costs nothing for, for you know, for us. It's That's nothing. It's like 180 pounds, $200 maybe a year yeah. to, to support a family. You know, it's nothing. So I, my idea was I was going to go away and I was going to raise 3 million baht and we were going to build this block of apartments for them in a kitchen where they can make their own food go to the the markets and and sell it anyway i've gone way off piste here. <laughs> sorry. sorry well let's get back to the uh let's get back to the tour of the united states where you visited all these states or, or you wanted to visit all these states and do karaoke and play pool i mean are you still hoping to do that one day i'm absolutely hoping to do it um you know maybe it'll take on a, a different format now and, and a, maybe even a different reason uh for doing it um i still have the ambition i want to certainly visit every single big tournament not just in america you know all the way all around the world i mean i was recently at the world the world cup of pool in uh sorry the what the world pool championships mm -hmm. uh, the one that albin's just won uh, you might have seen me on tv they're doing my dance in my in my shirt with the glasses on it. Uh, a lot of people did. I was on Sky Sports, apparently. See, I told you, Mum, I'd get on. We don't TV have Sky Sports over here. We gotta, we gotta rely on uh, the zone. Oh, the zone. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, DAZN, well, I guess, yeah. it, I guess it's, I guess Sky Sports produces it, and the zone is just the yeah. outlet to send it out. Yeah. So we probably did see you. I just uh, wasn't watching at that moment. You just chose not to. <laughs> so i've got i've got a video of it funnily enough i'll send it to you yeah send it to me <laughs> so yeah, yeah i do i do i want to come of course i want to come to the us open it's like the biggest to me okay the moscone cup is big but that's in the in england this year so do you know what i might not even be in england for the for the moscone how funny would that be wow that i'm in the us while the moscone cup is in the uk that would be well i'll tell you I wouldn't mind missing the Moscone Cup just so that I could be in the States because I really do. I've got some good friends in America. I've got a great friend in Tampa who I've known all my life. Uh, I understand the pool scene's pretty good there, Joey, is it? It is. You know, um, the thing about uh, the United States, it's so big. You know, if you're going to come here, I'd recommend you get a car. In fact, I really want you to come here. And uh, I found out... Uh, you know, I've actually been working on something myself and I'm going to try to go to the CSI Expo in September and I'm going to try to uh, set up a booth there and I want it to be a pool player podcast slash the Booth Brothers booth. And so you and I were talking, I think it was this morning earlier, and you mentioned the fact that there's places you want to go that you can't even go because England's still locked down and there's still some issues right with travel and so um i was talking with my buddy melina mike who's also going to be out in las vegas for that and we decided no, yeah we decided to come up with a uh, catchy little phrase and it's called free mark white hashtag free mark white <laughs> and we want you to come to las vegas with us and uh there's a paypal there and i stole that from you that's your paypal and so what i where did you get that 
Ah, uh, you sent it to me a long time. I think I owed you money. I don't know, but um, <laughs> what I want people to do, and and think of this, you know, if you watch the Booth Brothers and you watch Mark and I and Melina Mike, and, and we all work together on that. Uh, Mark's the brainchild behind that. He provides all the content for that. And Melina and I just show up. I do the technology and Melina just adds his insider information and it's great. But we're trying to go out to the CSI Expo. There's the Diamond Las Vegas, uh, I think it's 10 ball event. There's Predator Pro World 10 ball, uh, Predator World 10 ball championship. And then there's all the BCAPL championships out there. And we're trying to set up a booth out there and we're trying to... Uh, give you guys a morning, hey, here's what's to come, uh, an afternoon, like here's what happened, and grab players as they're walking by and get them to come in the booth and interview them and talk to them. And Mark will ask them what they like on their pizza. It'll be great. So, but we need to get Mark White over here. So if you guys are up for it, then uh, go ahead and shoot out a, a little donation. There's 2,700 subscribers, over 2,700 su- subscribers of this YouTube channel. So if everybody gives a couple dollars here, we can get Mark White over here, get his airfare and his hotel covered. And for that, you'll get a ton of great new content. So uh, you didn't know that was coming, Mark, but <laughs> surprise. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. I, one thing I can promise is, I mean, Joey, no one knows how we even met, do they? We, we met... Let's actually commentating didn't we yeah let's tell I mean, him i mean chad, chad shoulders i was friends with a guy called chad chad shoulders from havoc of course who i've become good friends with uh got lots so many good friends that i still haven't met and you're one of them and we met by accident um i've never actually asked you can i ask i know this is your podcast but i'd like to ask you a question what what went through your mind when when chad shoulders and uh it was mike demarco wasn't it from ship the cash when he said to you, I've got this guy that we want to match you up with. He's going to do a little bit of commentary from England. What? What? I actually never asked you this. I'm, okay, I'm honest, honest truth. Honest truth. I was like, why are we going to bring in somebody from England? What do we need him for? You know, we already got, I was already there in person. Uh, Mike DeMarco with Ship the Cash does a great job with his uh, commentating and his yeah. streaming. Yeah. And I was like, but Chad's, if you know, Chad shoulders, Chad shoulders is always like ideas, ideas. What if we do this? What if we have Jeremy Jones call in? What if we have this? <laughs> and he was like, what if we have Mark white and you're going to love Mark white? And I'm like, okay, I've had a lot of people tell me I was going to love somebody and I didn't actually love them. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what happens. And sure enough, uh, he said, yeah, check out this Mark white. And Mark, I got to tell you within a rack or two, I just knew you know, within a rack or two. And it wasn't just like, because we didn't really know each other, but it was just the way, you know, there's a certain modesty that comes with uh, commentating. I have a good friend of mine who's a commentator, really good commentator. And he told me about another person who's pretty prominent in billiards out here that he commentated with. And I said, oh, how was that? Thinking, oh, it was going to be great. And he was like, actually not too good. And I was like, why? And he said, well, this other guy, he just, he wanted to get his opinions out there. He wanted to you know, show everybody how much he knew. And it's just completely the opposite of when you and I worked together. There was just uh, a modesty of respect. You know, um, if I had a differing opinion than you, it was like we were both considering each other's options. And I think that's what the fans want, right? They don't want one person's like, no, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, they want people that have knowledge, but they there's also more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. And so yeah. that's, that's the kind of thing I was left with when you and I worked together is it was just this mutual respect between us. 
And if you haven't seen the stream, go back and watch uh, on Havoc Productions. Uh, Mike DeMarco shipped the cash, put that on. And it was Danny Olson versus Chris Robinson. Chris will probably kill us because he didn't play too well in that one. <laughs> Which, by the way, he's now Chris Reinhold. Um, yeah, why, why has he changed his name? Or is that for another time? You know, I we can... You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's. it was a situation where he was raised by a stepdad. And... Yeah. I think he's changed his name out of honor of that, which I think is great, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. when we commentated on that, it was awesome. And uh, that's how we met. And believe it or not, out of that was born the Booth brothers and, and some other stuff that we have in our minds that we're planning to do like go out. Oh, I mean, I remind you like free Mark white. So we can go out to the CSI <laughs> and do some interviews, commentating. Melina Mike's talking about popping up live streams all over the place. Who knows what we got going on out there? But uh, let's uh, let's see if we could get Mark White over there. So if you guys don't mind making a little donation there, that'd be great. Yeah. So I mean, I, and we we can promise in return, can't we, that it will be something that they've never seen before. You know, you've seen me dressing up in my stupid rap hat. I mean, I I love rap. I love writing stuff. I love. I love commentating. I love coaching. You know, something we haven't spoken about is I actually uh, qualified snooker coach. We used to do snooker coaching back in the 1980s. I was lucky enough to uh, be working at a club cleaning 18 tables, full-size tables, twice a day I used to clean them when I was just like 16, 18 years old. And uh, it, it was bought by these two professional snooker referees, you know, big, big name referees back in the back then. And uh, they were also qualified coaches, and they set up this brilliant thing where they we would have students coming over from Holland and Belgium to stay with us for like a week's crash course in snooker, and uh, and then I would go out there to Rotterdam to a little place called Schiedam, and I would go out there for three months at a time, teaching and organising tournaments. It was a real good time. You know, we even had uh, the local school in Clacton-on-Sea where I was working at the time, uh, Clacton County High. They had on their games options where you know, people, instead of playing football or tennis or cricket, could, could come over and, and get lessons three times a week, you know, Monday, Wednesday and Fridays, have some lessons playing snooker. It really was the boom time back in the 80s, you know, for, for snooker. Everyone wanted to... Everyone wanted to get involved in snooker somewhere. And then I start, got in with Barry Hearn and I got in with uh, Stephen Hendry's manager. I did went away to a brilliant holiday camp, a really famous uh, holiday camp called Butlins uh, in the UK. And I would go there for a year. We'd have Stephen Hendry or Alan, Alan McManus come on a, on a, a Thursday. And I would, I would teach the people at the holiday camp during the week. And then we'd have a competition on the on the on the uh, Wednesday and then on the Thursday, oh. the, the winners would play would play Hendry or McManus, whichever. Let me let me stop you there, Mark, because I do want to ask you about the coaching because in the United States we've talked about this. There's not a whole lot of coaching, right? And but players could benefit from coaching for certain, and we've talked about that. Uh, but during the pandemic, I know that you've worked with a number of different players um, on form and technique, even virtually, which I think is cool. Yeah. But if you come to the United States, when you come to the United States, I know you do have some aspirations for coaching and, and kind of helping people with their game. So to, in your opinion, what is the most uh, important part of having a personal coach? I, I think the, 
the, the most important thing in life is time. Okay, it's the one thing you can't buy, you can never get it back. I have 51 years of experience of watching, of listening, of playing, of doing things wrong, doing things right. The amount of coaches that I've interacted with over the years, the amount of players that I've seen up close and personal, you know, from doing exhibitions with different players like Jimmy White, Tony Mio, Tony Niles, names that you probably don't know, but really big names uh, back in the 80s, you know, for, for snooker. And these are all the guys, you know, these are the guys that Mark Selby, Neil Robertson, John Higgins, all the big players today, these are the players that they followed. And, that, you know, Steve Davis really changed snooker. He really did. He made it from a smoky game played by people gambling and drinking heavily and swearing and hitting tournament uh, you know, all these things have happened that I'm telling you now. You know, people like Alex Higgins and that. Don't get me wrong. Alex Higgins, absolute genius. He used to hate the establishment, but that's Davis came along and changed it. And I think that's what can happen for Paul as well, in a way. But one thing I hope we don't get away from with Paul, and one of the big reasons I changed from snooker to Paul, not just because I couldn't play snooker anymore because the table was too big, Another big reason was I wanted to have some fun. You know, I was fed up with it all silence and and no music and oh no one drinking. I want to I want to have some fun when I'm playing. So I hope that Paul can find a balance. I think there's a danger now of Paul going too far the snooker way. If that makes sense, you know, yes. people people complaining about oh someone opened a suite. Uh, candy as I, you know, like tore the edge off a Twinkie while I was, and I heard it and it made me miss a ball. And all these, you know, people wearing headphones and because they don't want to hear the noise around. And I just think Paul still needs to keep that fun side to it, but it also needs that professionalism. Now, going back to my point about coaching, I think the big thing that Europeans now are bringing over to or bringing to everywhere in the world. You know, you watch now, so many players are more in, more interested in honing their technicals, you know, their fundamentals. You know, you've got people like Joey Gray now going around doing some great stuff uh, with, with, with the youngsters. And a lots, I'm sure there's lots of other people doing it. I know Chris Robinson does, does a lot for the, yeah. for, the young, for the youngsters as well. You know, and I want to get involved in that. Because I think you asked me why players should have a coach because you always need snookers, snooker or any cue sport is a lonely, lonely sport. It's a lonely game. It's not like, you know, you've got a team of players around you. Unless you're playing scotch doubles, you're on your own. And when you're out on that table, you've only got yourself. You need somebody in your corner so to speak. Okay, they can't help you when you're actually at the table, but it's somebody you can go. You know, we've seen it with Pia Filler and Joshua. I've seen it up close and personal. When when he's going through bad times, he looks up to her and, and, and she's she's miming to him. And, and at, in between breaks, you know, she'll, she'll come and, and she'll pep him up again. Now, that's the mental side of the game, which is, by the way, to me, I think is 80% of the game. The other 20%, is a mixture of 
five uh, percent talent and fifteen percent technique or whatever you know. You, you, of course, you need some natural ability. So you can't let fundamentals and technique ruin or stifle that natural ability. We still need that. We still need to see the floppy Filipinos, as I, ca- I like calling them, floppy because because they're all over the place. You know. Efren, one of the greatest players ever, Roberto Gomez as well. When he breaks, his arm goes all over the place. He almost knocks somebody out in the seating area, you know. (laughs) But there needs to be that, there needs to be a balance. And the most important thing about having a coach is it can save you time. I spent too many years doing the wrong thing. By the time I went to my first ever coach, I was, I think I was 17 which is quite late, really, yeah. 16, 17, quite late. And I'd already got bad habits, and they're very, very hard to break. They so really if, you can, if you can start off in the, right, if, in the right way as early as possible, and it's not just, as I said, it's not just about, you know, you don't have to be the best player. You need to know and pick up on what good technique is and about getting everything in line and, and nice smooth action and keeping your head down. Yeah. These are just fun. These are just the, the basics, the real basics. Well, I know when, when you and I talked about it, I did a live stream where I showed myself playing the ghost at one point and you know, you came back and you were like, Oh, your cue action is atrocious or something. <laughs> I mean, I thought I played decent, but uh, after talking to you, I realized I got a lot of work to do. But like you said, you know, it's it's like when Tiger Woods rebuilt his golf swing. You know, it it takes so much time and effort. But if you really want to be great, that's what you need. And I think, you know, if we had more coaching, and I don't mean lessons. I don't mean like, you know, sign up for lessons, take lessons. No, I mean I somebody who's there for you, you know, through thick and thin, through your slumps. I mean, pool is a lonely game. You know, when you're struggling when you're just not performing uh, and it can happen over the course of a number of different tournaments, right? It's, it's, it's not just, Oh, I had a bad tournament, but you could have, you could slump for six months, you know, to have that person that can kind of take a look at what you're doing and say, Hey, I saw a hitch there. You know, one of my, I call him my arch nemesis out here and I'm going to interview him soon. Uh, Nick DeLeon. He's a, he's like a seven nineteen Fargo out here in Arizona, a good player. And one night after playing him, he said, you know, I noticed something, you know, when you get right before you get ready to shoot, you cue it and then you kind of hitch up your shoulder a little bit. And then, and I thought that was helping me kind of dial into exactly what I wanted to do, but he was right. It was taking me kind of out of my cue action, as you would say, or out of my stroke or my rhythm. And then I used it against him and beat him the next time I played him. But, (laughs) but seriously, um, <laughs> that's, that's so important to have somebody on the outside kind of take a look and help you because when we're, when you're in a rut, you can't always get out of the rut, you know? So, um, I would encourage Like if, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Mark, because obviously you've been doing this over the pandemic, uh, how do they get in touch with you for your coaching services? Just, just reach out to me on Facebook. And I'd just like to say at, at this point, you know, today I've had, Today I've had messages, I mean, long messages, long, long messages of, of players who I've coached in the past and just like wanting a little bit of reassurance from me and, oh, I did this the other day and, and I'm feeling this. Why, why is that happening? 
a lot of it is just you know being like a mother to them just 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 stroking them and telling them everything's going to be okay you know just calm down i can tell you now three players on the euro tour i have helped in the past with their game one of them was actually i'm not going to name names but one of them was in the last big matchroom event the um the world the world pool championships in the early stages and it was a i won't tell you because i i haven't got permission to but you know i had this person uh, messaging me uh before games between games you know oh mark what what do you think i've got this coach but i but he's not telling me the things and i've been watching you and listening to you and can you can you just give me and i'm reams and reams and reams of messages on on facebook messenger you know and i'm talking about good players here yeah, good James players. Bowling, right SVB. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> that would be funny <laughs> Actually, I could teach him something, but I won't. <laughs> not not until uh, Sky is beating him anyway. I you think Sky? Okay, so this is one thing. You know, we don't have a ton of time here, but I oh, do want to... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Can yeah, I just finish, finish, finish your thought? Sorry, yeah. I was, just let me finish that thought about the coaching. I never... When somebody says, how much do you charge? Okay. I always say nothing. I just want to help you if i help you if i help you and you and you think that if i improve your results and you start winning some money there's my paypal address can you put it up again please (laughs) no i'm joking there's there's my paypal address give me what you think I'll, i'll just tell you one thing there was a guy i was helping a french man living in the philippines right i was helping him with his game i took his game from an average of 4.1 to 8.4 points per rack, this is, on a virtual pool, playing virtual. Mm-hmm. I took him to that level in three weeks. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He slipped back, of course, but now he's he's on the up again. He still messages me today. He's still playing. He's still improving. He said, I, I want to pay you. How much? I said, I don't. I don't want anything. I, I'm so happy that you're 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 winning. He said, "Give me your PayPal." So in the end, I gave him my PayPal, expecting I don't know twenty euros, maybe fifty, maybe fifty dollars, right? Yeah. Because most of my work with players is on text messaging and basically calming them down. It's more it's more the mental side, really. Yeah. But a lot of it's technique as well. And do you know the guy sent me two hundred euros? I was going to say that probably two hundred. But well, yeah. you know, if you think about it, Mark, it only makes sense. I mean, it's an investment, right? And if you do, I love the way you do that, right? Because you know, I mean, obviously you need to eat, and so you're not saying that you're worth nothing, but you're saying if I'm worth something, you'll take care of me, you know? And they do. And that's, I, I think that's a good way to be. So um, the one problem though, Mark, is that you're pretty much filled up with your Facebook friends. So we got to figure out another way for people to get in contact with you. I guess yeah. that, email, how about that email for your PayPal? Do you check that email? Yeah, I checked this. I yeah, so that. this email, yeah. the free Mark, <laughs> hashtag free Mark White, <laughs> uh, this, a passion for pool at gmail.com 
is the email address where you can get a hold of Mark White if you want some coaching or send some PayPal money so he can get to the United States for the CSI oh. Expo. Yeah, or, you know, Joey, and I really mean this from, from the bottom of my heart, I really do mean this, not for the money, just for the friendship, for the talking, for the, yeah. don't forget, 51 years I've been following this. I've been I've been commentating on commentators. I've been saying the same things as the commentators are going to say for years. My friends used to say to me, you should be a commentator. And I said, oh, I will one day, I will one day. By the way, I just want to thank uh, Giovanni Bacchetti, uh, I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. How much time have we got left? I know I talk a lot, don't I? I'm so sorry. No, we're, we're kind of <laughs> wrapping down, Mark. We got to, I mean, this isn't the Joe Rogan three hour podcast now. We got to, you know. Oh, who, are you? who are you? <laughs> Joe Ryan, not Joe oh, Rogan. Oh, I thought I was asked to be on Joe Rogan. No. Oh, I've got, is that the time? I've got, 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 I've <laughs> no, but anything else you want to ask me go yeah on. let's 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 talk about the commentating uh and address that because you know now what we've seen over the pandemic is really this um ability for people like a lot of streamers have gotten really good with learning how to use the technology and bring in people like you and i witnessed it firsthand with mike demarco from ship the cash he was able to bring you and I in together. You were on a Zoom call. I was on a Zoom call. We had the cameras from, I think it was Ken uh, Feltman? Or? Feltman, yeah. Feltman. Kenny, Kenny Feltman, yeah. Yeah, and so like we had access to an internet stream of the, the table where we saw the cameras, and then Mike was bringing us in on a Zoom call, and we were commentating together. So there's just a ton of opportunity now, I think, for commentating and there's nothing that's better for a stream everybody's got an hd camera now right everybody can do 1080p whatever facebook yeah. and youtube can handle the cameras can handle so everybody's got that the difference is the professional commentating right and you bring a certain level uh, of commentating to a live stream and, you know, I think that's something that people really need to take advantage of, especially now in the time of Zoom and the time of phone calls or whatever to get you in on that. So, I mean, is that something you're interested in doing more of? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that was my first, my first love was commentating. And uh, you, you mentioned something earlier on about some commentators out there who they want to make out how good they are. I like to make, I want everyone to know how good the player is. You know, I want... I want to get across that feeling that's going through that player's mind when he's playing that unbelievable draw shot or the terrific run round three rails with tons of outside English. You know, I want I want the audience to know. I, I don't want to predict every shot that they're going to play. You know, I'm not going to get it all right, and I don't care. I don't want to be right. I want what whatever the whatever shot the player plays at the time that is the right shot because that is what they're comfortable playing. Okay. If I can bring a little bit of comedy to that, brilliant. And they explain what they did after the fact. I don't want to predict. I don't want to spend all the, you know, one of my biggest hates, and it really does, really does make me angry, is when you get a player talking over another player's shot or, you know, over the player's shot. I want to hear, I want to hear that beautiful sound of that tip striking the cue ball, you know, and I, I want to I want to hear and feel all of it. I don't want to listen to the commentator 
telling me what he thinks the player's going to do. I don't care what he thinks the player's going to do. I want to know what the player's doing. I want to hear it. I want to I want to play the shot with him. And you cannot, you cannot play a shot by talking at the same time as well. And they, they're missing so much by talking. Well, you and, I, you and I have, have been on, like we've been uh, an audience to commentators before. And it's like, because we have that, that commentator, um, you know, um, vibe together. We're like, wow, do you hear those guys? You know, it's like they're arguing about what shot. No, I'd shoot the three ball and come one rail. No, I'd go two rails with inside. And it's like, that doesn't help really. No. I mean, yeah, there's two ways to shoot a shot. Don't argue about it. Let's let it be about the player. Let's call yeah, what absolutely. happens. Absolutely. And let's add some, add some color to it, right? You know, and that's the thing I find with you that you've brought to the table in, in the ones that you've done is um, you have this nice mix of knowledge for the game, but also, and people hear you when you're just talking right now, the passion, right? The cue ball goes three rails and it's heading for the scratch. And you're like, look at the cue ball. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> you know, uh, J- Jay Garrison, uh, a big, big guy and, and big, yeah, dead punch pull, you know, yeah. good, good guy. And, you know, he helped me and he saw a thing in me where he liked my commentary and he made up this little um, montage of, I was commentating on the one pool women's cup. And yeah, I had all the big players in Kelly Fisher, Yasmin Ocean, Margaret Fefilova, Monica Webb, Jennifer Beretta, had all the big, all the big names in, right? And I made some awful, some awful cock-ups, you know, really bad ones. I called, uh, I got mixed up with uh, Yasmin Ocean and Filler. I've, I've called Yasmin Ocean Albin's husband, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know. But it's fun, right? Don't, oh, God, oh, no, I got it wrong. Yeah, but I, I didn't really know, you know. And Don't explain why you got it wrong. Just accept that you've made a cock-up. The people love it. And by the way, that's another big thing. I've been in so many streams watching games and I've been typing in messages because I want to get involved in the game, right? Yeah. I watch loads of American streams late at night when I'm laying in bed and can't sleep because I'm thinking of Paul and there's nothing going on around here. Yeah. So one of my, another one of my pet hates is not hate, but that's a strong peeve. word. But you know, I'm peeve. A peeve, yeah. yeah. Something that peeves me is... <laughs> When, when people are typing things in the chat and people and the commentators don't even see it and they don't bother responding to it, you know, the, the most important people, the pool players and the viewers, they're the ones that pay the wages, right? They're the ones that pay the streams, pay for the pay for the prize money. They go in, they buy the alcohol, they, they get the tournaments going. You know, it, it's please involve everyone. It's not all about you commentators it's not and there's loads of great commentators out there don't get me wrong that and they know who they are you know and there's some great commentators and uh alex lady by the way one of my favorites jeremy jones another great one carl boys brings something different to the to the party to be fair to be fair (laughs) to be fair to be fair he brings a lot we tease carl about that but it's okay because i had carl on this show and uh (laughs) I was doing this show down in my pool room, which I'm going to start doing again soon. Just takes a lot of setup, moving stuff around. But there was a two ball. I don't know if you saw it. And he challenged me to make this two ball. And I just, I shot it right into the rail. It was terrible. So Carl, every once in a while, he'll send me a message on Facebook and it'll say two ball. (laughs) 
like, he's a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. He, he, yeah. I think if you look at, and it's funny cause the styles, right. And, and this is what I was trying to say. I think you kind of blend some of the styles, right? Where you, you have, and obviously Carl's got immense knowledge for the game, but he does a great job of bringing the, the color and some humor at times. Yeah. Um, but you bring the humor, you bring the interesting anecdotes and you bring the knowledge of the game all together into one. And, you know, the way we fed off each other, I thought worked out really well. And so I think it's, it's a perfect scenario where you're combined with someone like a, a, a very knowledgeable Jeremy Jones, somebody who's more into the actual nuts and bolts yeah. and you're bringing together like the whole scene, the big picture, you know, which is really nice. So, you know, I, 51 years you can't replace that right it's a long i know i keep going on about it but it's it's a lot of stuff that's gone in this stupid brain of mine over the time and the, the only thing i retain is knowledge about paul snooker q sports anecdotes things that i've picked up along the way and it's no everyone knows i'm not the brains of the booth brothers i'm certainly not i mean melina mike what a great you know i'm so happy when we got him to stay, he was going to be just on one show, wasn't he, on the first week? And then we said, hang on a minute, there's yeah. something in this. He's He knows his stuff inside out. And you, with your knowledge of the the, the, the players uh, in the, shall we say, Melina Mike's great on the challenges and on the money matches and all on the, you know, getting all the inside information. Whereas you are sort of like Wikipedia, Joey. You know, you've you've just got this mind that can mention a player and oh yeah he beat him uh, seven racks to four back in 1985 you, you know you've got that kind of knowledge so I think the three of us together and don't forget why we called this the Booth Brothers the show that we do every Tuesday night the reason it's called the Booth Brothers is because that's where we met we've both got a love of commentary Melina Mike I'm telling you I'd love to be in the box with him as well sometime and I honestly think that we should take the Booth Brothers and we should go around the US and we should go as a team, as a unit. And I think we have got, you know, we could be like the American Matchroom. You know, we, we, we are the team going around doing different stuff in America, like Matchroom are doing in Europe predominantly, let, let's say. Well, let's, um, let's, let's make sure that the folks that are listening to this uh, fully understand what the Booth Brothers is. We started this show, it was about, three to four months ago, I think we've done what, 13 or 14, 14 episodes, 14, yeah, yeah, 14 episodes. And we go live usually on a Tuesday night, but that could, we're actually starting to toy with the idea of maybe going live on different nights at different times. Uh, because really we want to be relevant. We want to bring in kind of the latest content and what's happening in the pool world. For instance, um, you know, if there's a big money match next week, we might have one or both of the participants of that money match on the week before, right? Uh, we're also featuring a bunch of pool rooms. We're featuring uh, other industry folks. You know, we like we had Ozzy Reynolds on recently talking about CSI and the big events they have coming up. And so we just try to keep it as a live, fun show where it's relevant. Mark White brings the rap songs. He dresses up as his... Uh, his two-piece Q character. I've got it with me, look. <laughs> and, uh-oh, here we go. This bling. I, I, I wondered if you might mention it. Yeah, yeah, there we go. This is, and there's uh, the bling. I won't put the bling on, but there's my bling as well, look. You see? It's actually, a, it's actually a snooker bridge. 
It's actually a snooker bridge, and my name is Two Piece Q. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my rap name, and um, mm. I, I write one for every guest that comes on, just to sort of you know to get them to ease them into it, make them feel comfortable, and I enjoy writing, you know. And Joey is the poor guy that has to. Uh, yeah, and so I handle the technology. Mark does the entire show, and Melina Mike, we kind of brief him ahead of time, and he comes prepared to talk about the money matches and other things, and he always has great insights. And we do it in the same software that we're using today, and so I can bring up like a chat overlay, and we do that often. So you see on this right-hand side of the screen now, this area for the chat, what we try to do is we try to incorporate uh, your comments into the show. So stay tuned for that, and we'd love to have you guys join us on the Booth Brothers to check out what we're doing there. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff, and again, we're trying to get Mark White to come to uh, the CSI Expo, free Mark White. So if you guys have a donation, we get him over to the States, you're going to love the content. We're going to be out and about mingling with everybody at the big CSI Expo event, and we're going to be telling them all about... Uh, the day's action, what's to come, what already happened, interviewing some of the top pros. Uh, we're already lining stuff up for that. Hopefully have some giveaways and some other things too. So uh, don't forget about that. But Mark, look, our time here is kind of wrapping up. <clears throat> so I want to give you the opportunity. Is there any final thoughts or anything that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, you know, something I might not have asked you, but you want people to know about you? The only thing I really want to say is if you can really love, I know it's going to sound corny, but if you can really love what you do and have a passion about what you do, then you will succeed at it, no matter how long it takes you. I would just like to mention um, two very important people in my life who gave me my break in commentating. Back in 2018, there was the the Chinese eight ball, the joy Chinese eight ball qualifiers in Bangkok in a shopping mall. It was all set up. There were six tables. It was great. We had a, a main TV table and uh, it was actually streamed by a Filipino company and a guy called Rally, uh, Raleigh Baron from Batang Tirador. Uh, just came up to me, saw that I was sort of a, a fun guy around the pool hall and uh, asked me if I'd do some commentating for them. And uh, I did. And uh, apparently, people like me and I got asked back again and again and again and uh, actually when I came back to England I carried on I was contacted by him again saying look I know you can't do any live but we're doing this remote thing so Rolly Baron, thank you very very much for that and he's got a great new player by the way wonder boy Elijah Alvarez watch out for him 16 year old Filipino he's really I think he's just been uh, signed by Predator, actually. So he's now a sponsored player by Predator. And the second guy I really want to thank is a guy who actually then saw me commentating on Batang Tirador and uh, asked me to come and do some commentating with him. And that was just about a year ago now. And I still commentating with him now. And he's a great guy. His name is uh, Giovanni Bacchetti. He runs a site called Sharpshooter World Remote Pool, WRP along with uh, Gabrielle Cimino, who's actually the, the Italian team coach of the pool uh, team there in Italy. And uh, I just want to thank you, Giovanni, for, for, for giving me so many opportunities uh, to do the commentary, because then the commentary 
from Chad Shoulders came from that. So it's like a, a stepping stone, stepping stone. And uh, I just want everyone to know that if you ever see me anywhere, if you see me in the States, please come up to me. Please talk to me. I promise you, I want to meet every single person. I don't just have Facebook friends because I want to have 5,000 friends and say, oh, look, I've got five. I, I'm, I'm choosing them very carefully. And Paul is my passion. I want to spread that passion and I want to spread it as well at the home of Paul. I know you've got plenty of your own passionate people. Melina Mike's one, Joey Ryan. You've got uh, people like Joey Graz. I've already mentioned going around. Um, uh, Jeremy Jones, all the great guys doing a lot for the sport. Aussie Reynolds, of course, we've mentioned before as well. Uh, Amiga Mike, all these guys that are doing lots of streaming, putting on these leagues around Chad Shoulders as well. Don't forget you, Chad. You know, I just want to be involved in that. I, I consider, I don't just think, oh, they're just they're just friends on Facebook. I honestly consider them as friends, maybe not close friends yet, friends that we haven't met yet. You know, we haven't actually met yet. Same with you, Joey. But you will you'll back me up on this, I'm sure. You know, all I want to do is spread my love, my experience, my knowledge, my pure passion for this game. All I want to do is spread that around those that want to hear it and feel it. And we started talking about feeling at the start of this uh, program. And it is a feeling. It's a feeling that I've had since I was seven years old. I can still feel exactly that feeling now. I still hear that same sound when I hear balls click. And I still see that passion and that determination in players when I'm watching them on stream and I'm commentating on them. And I learned, I've learned so much more when I'm commentating as well. And I want to spread every single piece of knowledge that I have amongst anyone that is willing to listen to it. And it comes free of charge. Mark, that's beautiful, buddy. And it's one of the things that attracted me to you is your passion for this sport. And really, you have a giving heart. So thank you for coming on Pool Player Podcast. Uh, obviously, we're going to continue to work together with the Booth Brothers. So make sure everybody tunes into that. But thanks so much, Mark. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next Booth Brothers. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. I really, really do appreciate it. And I pinch myself, you know, that I'm so luckily to lucky to have this i'm looking at some of the names that you've had on your podcast and uh thank you very much joey i think you are you are number one in the industry and i'm really really privileged not just saying that as a friend as on a professional level you're just fantastic at what you do you certainly made me feel at ease thank you so much thanks mark see ya all right so that was mark white and uh, I think you guys can see just how passionate he is. He gets talking and he's like into it. And he's, I just want to tell you when I, I love when this happens, when I'm commentating or when that happens. And really, that's what you get with Mark White. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, we've done the Booth Brothers now for three to four months. We've had some great conversations. We've had some tense conversations, right? Um, but you know, the thing about Mark that I love is he loves pull more than anyone. Right? He is totally into it and he loves it. So guys, do me a favor, check out pull player podcast. 
uh, on uh, Facebook uh, and YouTube. Also, The Booth Brothers Show on Facebook, and that also comes on the Pool Player Podcast channel on YouTube. Uh, By the way, we are going to try to get to the CSI Expo. We're going to have a booth there. We're going to be talking to people. We'd love to get Mark White out there. So if you guys want to help out with that, feel free to hit up uh, his PayPal, a passion for pool at Gmail. It's going to make the event so much better because we're going to have more people there to cover, to interview people and talk to the pros and talk to folks. So do me a favor, hit that up. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to like it and share it. Thanks guys. Take care.